Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, the podcast for makers, by makers, where we talk about all things MYOG. Brought to you by Ripstop by the Roll. I think it's good, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that was a good take. Hey everyone, welcome to Ripstop on the Record. I'm Jameson. In today's episode, we will be talking about pack frames, about where to source them, uh, how to fabricate them, uh, where to buy them, and then also where to look for them if you're looking to go the cottage route. Speaking of cottage, today we are talking with a cottage company staple, Brandon McIntyre from Superior Wilderness Designs. If you're not familiar with SWD, then go check them out. They make really cool packs ranging from ultralight frameless to single stay to more or less full frame pack outs for pack rafting and other heavy loads. So if you want to see all that Brandon is up to, then check them out at Superior Wilderness Designs. Carter will be joining me in a bit for this episode to share his uh, variety of knowledge on pack materials and shapes and things like that. Uh, But first, a few updates. Our sewing machine is now live. If you are looking to buy an RBTR endorsed machine, then check out the Singer Heavy Duty 4411. That is our machine of choice. It's what we use in our tutorial videos, as well as a really versatile machine for any beginner or amateur. Secondly, I'm going to announce here for the very first time on this episode that we will be releasing the Venom Stretch Mesh Eco next week. So a lot of you have probably seen this, uh, the Venom Eco over the last year or so. It's been a super popular stretch mesh. It's one of the only stretch mesh fabrics that exists with a UHMWPE fiber. Uh, and it's awesome. It's a light fabric. It's just around five ounces. It's extremely durable. And now it's coming with recycled content as well. So that's going to be going live during our sale, which is a segue to our next announcement. Our biggest sale of the year starts on Monday the 16th, goes until the 23rd. Everything on the site will be on sale, starting with 5% off of full rolls, 10% off select fabrics, 15% off site-wide, and 20% off kits and outdoor ink. So this is the best time to stock up. If you want to make gifts for people, if you're a company that needs to stock up for your own holiday season, we're sort of getting ahead of the curve and doing things a bit early this year. As always, if you like the episode, please like, comment, rate, subscribe, review, do whatever it is you need to do so that more makers and more people can hear about it and let us know what you like. We do this because we want to be helpful in the community and we want to be people that are inspiring other makers uh, to do great and to do cool things. So let us know what you think. And on to the episode. Hey, Brandon, thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always fun chatting with you guys. Absolutely. So for anyone that doesn't know Brandon, uh, you and your partner Ashley founded SWD uh, many years ago, which is Superior Wilderness Designs, uh, a Michigan-based, you could call maybe your packs utilitarian uh in nature, where you have a variety of pack styles from ultralight also to framed, which is kind of the topic today. Uh, we're going to be diving into pack frames and and why you might want one and, and how you could maybe build one or look for them on your own. So before we get too into the weeds, I first want to ask about what was the first pack frame you ever made? Yeah, so the first one I ever made was the pack that I ended up using on the PCT. And it was a pretty basic pack, um, you know, no load lifters or anything, hip belt sewn in, uh, 
And it was just a similar frame to what we use today still. The flat aluminum bars just slid into um, stay sleeves and then foam back panel. No load lifters or anything like that. Real simple. What about you, Carter? Do you have a first frame memory? Uh, we may or may not have recorded this part <laughs> in a previous week. And this actually caught me off guard, even though I was supposed to, I guess, you know, prepare. And I couldn't remember the first one, but now I do. And technically the first frame pack I ever made didn't use any metal or anything like that. It was like a frame sheet. Okay, so if like you a, want to count that as... Was it one that you made or was it like a frame sheet from another pack that you then fit into another one? No, I used like a... You know those like Rubbermaid bins that are really big? Mm-hmm. You can cut like the sides of them. That's smart. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but that's technically the that's technically the first thing that I made, and I just made like uh like a little pocket on the inside of the back panel. Yep, like you still see like a hydration sleeve kind of deal. You just yes. slide it into. Yeah, yeah. that's terrible. Don't don't do that, people. <laughs> well, that's um. Uh, that was my first frame sheet as well. Not the Rubbermaid. I just used like a cutting board. I, I bought a bunch of flexible cutting boards at TJ Maxx and I didn't really shape them even. I just trimmed it so that it would fit in the sleeve. Um, yeah, that was my first. So that works uh, for, <laughs> from like a really rudimentary level. Um, why would somebody want a, a frame in their backpack, Brandon? Yeah. So uh, basically what a frame is made to do is just get, weight up and off of your shoulders and to put it onto your hips, which is a much more comfortable place to carry heavier loads. Gotcha. So it's taking from a, maybe a scientific level, uh, it's taking the weight from just like hanging off the shoulder straps and then putting it through the stay or through the frame, which is going down your back and then loading into the hip belt. Is that basically right? Yeah. About? Yeah. Cause you get above weights of 15 to 20 pounds somewhere in there and most people want to transfer some of that weight off of your shoulders and onto your hips and yeah frame structurally you know provides the the support in a pack you know because say you have a frame or a frameless pack with a hip belt on it you know so you'll get a little bit of load transfer but at some point the pack is going to start to uh, collapse down as you add more and more weight to it. And it's going to start tugging on your shoulders and you're going to get that shoulder pain and it's just super uncomfortable. So you add a frame into the mix, keeps the back panel rigid and keeps the back panel from collapsing and, you know, pulling down on your shoulders and getting that shoulder pain. Carter, would you say there's a weight like a, a pack weight where you would then kind of bridge into like, Hey, you need a frame pack at, at this weight or not, or is it just kind of depend on your style body type where like you could have a frame to frameless pack regardless? I mean, I definitely think it's, there's certainly probably a hard line in which it would be recommended for most, uh, to venture out into having a, some sort of structured support for their backpack. But I also think it, it's just a pretty, I don't want to say complex and trivialize actual complex things, but it's, <laughs> for instance, you could have an ultralight base weight of uh, like 10 pounds and go on a weekend trip, but you prefer to have a an ultralight framed pack because it just makes your experience better, which I also think is completely reasonable. So it's not, you don't just want a frame because you're carrying something heavy is what I mean. It has benefits in general 
Mm. Um, but yeah, if you're carrying like a lot of weight, you should probably do that or you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. So, it seems like that number for most people is somewhere within the 15 to 20 pound range, you know, and some people just want a framed pack all the time, you know, but if you're, you know, have a pretty dialed kit and your base weight is super low and you're going out for an overnighter or, you know, even a couple nights and you can keep your pack weight. Like, you know, some people can do that at 12 pounds and that is pretty great to just have like a tiny little backpack on no hip belt or anything like that is very just freeing and nice feeling. But yeah, as you start to, as a pack weight starts to creep up, then most people want to frame, you know, and you do have people that, you know, condition their shoulders and, you know, just get used to, you know, loading, hauling around a heavy pack and carrying everything on their shoulders. But most people don't want to do that, you know. So now I'm kind of curious with the uh, the definition that we gave, uh, which is loose of like the the frame sort of distributing the load through the hips. What's why do people use frame sheets or that's maybe not the right question, but why do people like frame sheets just because it distributes it across your back more? It's still, it's still a distribution, but it's obviously not putting it through your hips most of the time. You know, I think a frame sheet just sort of makes a pack easier to pack. It protects your back from anything inside. So you maybe don't have to be as careful about where you pack, you know, a cook pot or something with a hard edge or something like that. A frame sheet will do a little bit in terms of keeping the back panel from collapsing and adding that like vertical rigidity that you're looking for. Um, but the only, you know, they, they fall short in terms of being rigid enough most of the time to be the only support in a backpack. You know, some, some companies do use like a thick enough plastic that's like molded and, you know, is probably good enough up to probably like 30, 35 pounds. Like you can do it if you have the right plastic, you know, or if you had thick enough plastic, you could try carry an infinite amount of weight. But I think the main thing that would be, you know, useful in a frame sheet in general is that, you know, it kind of adds more structure to the pack, protects your back a little bit. But then, you know, us in the ultralight world, we're used to skimping on things and, you know, more careful packing. So foregoing frame sheets in general seems like a pretty good option to me, you know, and just doing something smaller, lighter, more kind of focused just directly on providing that vertical rigidity that you need to keep the back panel from collapsing. Yeah, like for example, if you were to make some of those like super thick and heavy frame sheets that are molded, it's way heavier than just using like a vertical stay. How it integrates into the hip belt or to your load lifters it makes it more complex so it's actually like even though having like a flat piece of plastic seems simpler it's actually not <laughs> it's actually yeah it's not anymore it's it's much less efficient in, yeah in how yeah basically if you use something like aluminum or carbon fiber or something you kind of get more bang for your buck in terms of like the weight to stiffness ratio i guess than something like plastic 
So throughout the episode, uh, I want to talk about SWD Pact because, you know, you're our guest today. Uh, but I also want to help people understand what to look for in in frames in general. Maybe they're making yeah. them on their own. So when you were building that first pack, Brandon, that you were talking about uh, that you used for the PCT, what sort of inspiration, what other packs did you use to help build that one? Like basically, how'd you end up on a two flat aluminum stay kind of style? I guess, you know, I mean, I started out as a DIYer you know, just building my own packs. And the one thing that really kind of drew me to the flat aluminum bars is, I mean, it's easy to source. It's relatively cheap. One of the things that's really nice is you kind of, it's hard to screw them up where like you just get the length right and then you can kind of play with the shape all you want. You know, you can, you know, bend it and try to shape it to your back. And if you kind of mess it up, then you can like keep tweaking it. And you really, you'd have to like really try to like break one of those frames. You'd have to like fold it completely in half. Whereas some other things like tubular aluminum or something, you kind of, they don't have as much wiggle room as far as like shaping them and then reshaping them. You can dent them. They're, you know, a little bit easier to break. It's still a good option, but you have to be a little bit more careful with them and you can't necessarily like bend it every which way a million times. So that was one of the things that really drew me to the flat aluminum bar. I was just teasing Carter. Didn't you have trouble with some tubular like carbon fiber or errata carbon fiber not that long ago? <laughs> yeah, but not, obviously you can't bend. Not bending it. Because <laughs> it fails catastrophically. But, uh, yeah, I, w- I can't remember what I was doing. I think you were trying to build a stay for the before the Nashville pack was released. We were testing. No, it no, I was. Oh, I was modifying a KS Ultralight. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. He has an external frame backpack that's like super minimalist that has two rod support rods that are on either side. Uh, it's a it's a pretty good balance in between. It's like the lightest frame pack that you could possibly find, um, but it obviously has some drawbacks because it's on the sides. You don't the load transfer isn't as good. Uh, but yeah, I was changing them out to different carbon rods and it was, <laughs> I try to use a, a hacksaw that's made for carbon fiber that I have for bike stuff, but it didn't work. So eventually I just got a little table saw thing from Harbor Freight and then it worked. But yeah, I ruined like $75 worth of carbon fiber in about 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's rough. <laughs> so that's a, for people that are taking notes here, Point one in the uh, aluminum column for if you're looking for easy shaping or, or forgiving shaping rather, or, or for, any shaping really. Yeah, I guess the shaping. Really in shape. Yeah, you can't shape carbon fiber at all unless you're making a mold in which you're going to lay multiple layers and then like build carbon fiber yourself. Which some people do that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that would be cool, but then the cost goes way up, and so we've looked into it a little bit, but for how much more expensive it is and the weight savings isn't really like that much, you know, like you might end up saving like a half ounce or something, but the cost is like, you know, probably more than 10 times what the aluminum is. It's kind of like, I don't know. So that is one thing I wanted to go over a little bit is just helping people understand the options when it comes to frames and what they could look for. So we've mentioned a few and I just want to lay them out there. Uh, We've got flat aluminum, which, comes in different thicknesses and widths um, that you can use and then and then shape from there. There's tubular aluminum, which is, as it sounds, kind of like PVC pipe of aluminum that you can also 
shape and whatnot. Uh, then there's carbon fiber, which can also come in rods, and they 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 live like flat sure. style as well. Okay, what else? Uh, and I want to go over kind of the pros and cons of each of them. But what else? What other options are there? Titanium, which you probably can't do at home at all. Uh, fiberglass uh, comes in rod form, like uh, Z Packs uses that on their arc frame. Uh, they used to use carbon rods, but they switched, I think, to fiberglass a few years ago because it's basically the same thing and costs, you know, well, less, 10 times less. Uh, Brandon, can you think of any other? Yeah, I guess, things? you know, the plastic frame sheets. And one way that you could play with frame sheets more is, uh, you know, get some kind of, you know, thin-ish plastic sheet, cut it to shape, and some people will sew on, like, a, a stay sleeve to that. So you can do kind of like... Uh, mix of like aluminum you could do like one single aluminum stay on a frame sheet that's actually pretty popular in the pack world and i think a pretty good option yeah that makes sense uh i hadn't thought about hadn't thought about doing both of those that is a a good call of kind of adding some of that broad because i guess one of the to talk about the pros and cons one of the things that drew me in an early phase and I'm, i'm looking at maybe trying my own like framed backpack soon. I haven't actually branched into that project yet. But one of the things that drew me to the the cutting board kind of side of things was that like the total coverage, right? It seemed to make a lot of sense yeah. in a in a beginner's mind to because you know, I was making a fast pack. Like it wasn't a huge backpack. It was, hmm. you know, 15 liters. So the cutting board size fit pretty well and it covered most of the pack on the back. So it was, you know, good coverage all around. Yeah, and I think there's a good uh, balance of the weight there between like, you know, doing one single aluminum stay in the middle and the plastic. It's kind of, you know, probably somewhere similar to doing two stays. And like you said, yeah, you get the full coverage of the back panel. The I would say the one weak point of doing that style is I wouldn't do it on a pack with load lifters personally. Now, I haven't actually tried this. But I would kind of assume that if you just had a single stay with a thin plastic frame sheet and it extends all the way up to the load lifters, I would think you'd kind of get a little bit too much flex up there in the load lifters. I like to, a super important part of all of the, whatever frame you go with is connecting everything directly to the frame, you know, so whatever there may be, you know, the load lifters up top should be connected directly to the frame. The hip belt needs to connect directly to the frame. If there's any, like the more wiggle room you have, the, the less that uh, the load transfer will be, you know, it starts to diminish if there's any play or give in all of that. Yeah, totally. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Let's touch on some other pros and cons of, of the materials uh, starting with, with carbon fiber right away, super expensive, hard to work with. What else? You can't, I, I would say it's more than it's just hard to work with. It's that it is what it is. Right. So like if you're going to use carbon rods and just do have like straight rods on each side, that's probably the most approachable way that you could do it, but you're not getting the same load transfer that you would get from like two internal stays. But depending on how you connect it, of course, because you're not, you can't connect directly to the hip belt really when you have stays on the outside of the pack, you have to connect like to the sides, Mm -hmm. but yeah, carbon fiber, like it's, you have to, you would have to have someone usually who specializes in making things out of carbon fiber and then get them to make like a mold. You would have to design 
how you exactly the way that you want the stay. You have to design the entire pack yeah. and everything and know how the stay has to be. And then it would be made that way and it'll be that way forever. You totally. can't just like, you can't be like, hmm, I got this flat piece of carbon fiber, but I really wish it curved more on my lower back. And you just like go bend yeah. it. That's not, <laughs> you can't do that. Sure. So sure. It's certainly the least DIY friendly if you're trying to customize something or like build prototypes because it's, it is what it is. Yeah. And then, Brandon, you use aluminum. What would you say the pros and cons are uh, of that material? Um, I guess I would say the main con really is just that it can be a little bit heavier than some options. It's generally pretty light. You know, our frames probably are in like the four ounce, you know, range, maybe a little bit lower, like three and a half to five is probably like the four range. Depending on size, largely. Yeah, totally. Just okay. depending on size, they're all the same thickness and width, but just, you know, we have anything from like little 18 inch stays all the way up to 26 inch. So they vary quite a bit. Um, but yeah, weight is probably, I would say the only real downside to aluminum like that, because you can get lower with something like carbon fiber or even tubular aluminum is lighter, but then, you know, it's a little bit harder to work with than the flat bars so that was the my next kind of question is once you choose material or maybe don't choose it this way and you don't have to follow this template for anyone listening to to build your pack um but once you figure out a material you are able to source one then you can kind of figure out shaping and stuff to carter's point carbon fiber you don't really have an option uh, of shaping (laughs) unless you're a carbon fiber manufacturer to some extent when it comes to uh, aluminum tubing flat have you worked with both brandon and and why did you end up choosing or landing on the flat flat yeah i've played around with tubular a little bit and we may end up introducing some at some point just because it is quite a bit lighter if you go with you know the right uh kind of uh aluminum like there's different tempers and kinds you know you have like 60 61 70 75 and 7075 aluminum is super, super strong, super stiff. You know, you have certain aluminums like 6063, you could like almost like bend in half and it's like too malleable. But then uh, something like 7075 holds its shape really, really well. It's almost like as strong as some steels, but it's the same weight as any other aluminum. So if you, you can go pretty light on tubular aluminum, if you use something like 7075 and we've experimented with some tubular aluminum, that's like about half the weight of what most of our frames are right now. So you can have a very sturdy frame in the like two ounce range. And yeah, that's like, that's pretty excellent. So when you were experimenting, are you talking about like, I'm assuming that you would do like a hoop style frame in that case, or literally just putting it in sleeves and just taking the place of the flat aluminum? Yeah, I've done both for sure. Um, The only thing with sliding, like just the two, like if you don't do like a U-shaped frame with the tubular stuff, um, it can have a tendency to kind of turn in the stay sleeve. You know, but I think if you get everything dialed, you, you can probably get it to work for the most part. I haven't played with it a ton. I've done a couple trips with stuff like that. And there's some companies that are 
um, full on just using, you know, like two tubular stays and it seems to work for them. So I think it is probably an option, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit harder to shape and there's, you know, some, some downsides like that, but it seems like it's, it's a pretty good option. How do you shape aluminum? <laughs> like when you're getting it for a DOI or at home and they just get a large, like, I don't know they sell at Lowe's, like a six foot or eight foot section or something. How do you yeah, go about totally. then making that into a backpack frame? So I actually just, I'll do a pair in like a vice and I have like a little form, you know, and I just check them afterwards. But yeah, that's totally something you could do at home. If you have like a tabletop mounted vice, that's probably the easiest way to do it. And then just put something soft in there. So you're not like scuffing it up Yeah, and have a general idea of the shape that you want and just you know slowly kind of shape it to your back and i recommend people do that even you know with one of our packs where like i mean we shape them roughly you know it's actually just based off of my back it's like i feel like i'm a pretty average you know height and build and it's like we'll just go with that you know but you can actually pull the frame out and kind of compare it to your back and everybody's different. So you're never going to make one shape that fits everybody. So it is kind of nice to be able to shape it. But yeah, if you have like a tabletop vice, that's a, a good way to do it. And just kind of, I'll work in like one inch sections, just slowly forming it how you want. And just a little pull is all you need and just shape it to the general shape that you want. It's going to be different depending on the, material that you're working with but that's how we do the flat bars let's follow this uh this example here so someone has procured some flat aluminum uh, which i'm sure they can get at lowe's or just anywhere online i'm sure you can find it uh we'll link we'll find we'll talk about some links later but let's say they've they found some flat aluminum uh, and they want to turn it into a frame when you say you want to shape it to your back what do you mean? Like, do you mean like literally following the contours where it kind of goes down your shoulder blades and then kind of into the, the, the crook of your back, things like that? What sort of, what sort of shape are you trying to create for a frame? Yeah, that's exactly it. I would just go for the, you know, if you look at yourself from like a side profile and the lumbar kind of curves in and then your upper back is generally going to curve out a little bit and just kind of following basically the curvature of your spine whatever that may be. And it's useful to have someone else around to kind of hold it up there or have like a full length mirror or something like that. But yeah, basically following the curvature of your spine. When it comes to kind of the, the frame rods where it's not something in the, it's an external, I'm thinking of like your KS Ultralight pack where they're two straight rods. There's not as much shaping, but you really just have to dial in the, is it just the length that you have to figure out then? So if, if we're talking about like static just rods that are not going to move, which is different from shaping like tubular aluminum into like a hoop style or U style frame. Mm -hmm. That would be like a frame that goes around inside of the pack that starts down here and comes all the way up and around, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like a U. Yeah. Uh, upside down. Yeah, for the height of the, of just like external or internal, like straight up rods, it's just going to be a matter of your torso height plus the height of, load lifters because you still want those the you want the apex of that rod most likely to fit into some sort of sleeve that will be the load lifters which ideally you want for your torso height to form 45 degrees from where the strap contacts your shoulder 
Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think I'm not a professional. Brandon <laughs> is the professional here. I would I would say any frame would kind of follow that same thing. You want it to be somewhat, you know, similar to the shape of your spine. Or, you know, some companies go with where you actually try to keep that midsection off of your back and they go for the airflow thing. But I don't know. That's I I think that's okay if you're carrying lower weights, but I've always kind of liked having a pack directly on my back. I just feel like, you know, having the weight closer to your center of gravity, it just gives you an overall better carry. And to me, it's more comfortable. Let's talk about some of the different, we kind of just mentioned that a couple of frame options there, why you might want one over the other. So I think the the most popular ones that we could point to are uh, kind of the, the SWD style, uh, which I'll call it kind of the the stays that are shaped to your spine. There's two of them kind of on either side of the pack. There's the, the U, um, kind of the U or the hoop shape, which, uh, normally is like an upside down U or they're both with like the, I would say normally it's an upside down U yeah. because it normally, the ends of the rod terminate into the hip belt. Totally. Okay. So the upside down U and then there's maybe the external ones kind of like the KS ultralight where they're, they're kind of straight rods on the other side of U, similar to, um, the, the spine ones, but are, they're straight. Um, for a for a beginner, let's let's talk about someone that hasn't made a frame pack before, because I we probably don't have time to go over every reason as to why you want one or the other. <laughs> but for for someone making a pack or uh, looking to purchase a pack from somebody, what's a really good way to start for for a, a backpacker that has a normal ultralight load? They're not carrying forty five pounds. They're also not carrying fifteen. I would definitely clarify. I think that there are two different answers. Because looking to make your own, I think we've pretty much like, we can go back over that, but we've pretty much covered like flat aluminum seems like the easiest thing to do. But if you're looking to buy, then it's much different because you have access to things that you could never make yourself. And then that's, that's more of like personal preference and your experience and the type of gear that you have and the weight that you're carrying. But if we're just talking about making it for yourself, then uh, I think Brandon's exactly right. Like flat aluminum. It, that you can easily shape and then adjust and also assimilate into your pack with a sleeve or something like that seems like by far the best way to go for a beginner. Do you add anything to that, Brandon? Yeah. And I mean, I think uh, tubular aluminum is a good option too. It's, I think a little bit harder to work with and you, you know, you could kind of screw it up and it's, you know, it's got less, uh, room for error on that but you you could pull it off just take your time go slow and yeah i think a lot of people would be fine with going that route too do you use the same frame sprint in your packs from the like the smaller lighter ones all the way up to like your pack rafting style packs yeah so our lightest frame pack actually just has a single stay and like in the center but other than that the only thing that really changes is uh, the height of the frames from like our smaller packs, something like um, our long haul, which is kind of just a typical like 40, 50 liter pack that, you know, most people would through hike with or something like that. And then our bigger packs, the, uh, you know, made for hauling more of like 50 pounds for pack rafting, stuff like that. The only thing that changes is the height of the frame and, you know, all of that is, is really just like the, the load lifters and how much extra 
frame you have. You know, I guess maybe a good thing to talk about would be load lifters and where those come into play on a frame. And how I kind of think of load lifters is, for one, they can kind of just be like a torso height adjuster. And I think that that's how most modern ultralight packs kind of use them, you know, because you'll see people often where they're just pulled all the way in and the load lifters are like at the height of their shoulders. And I mean, that's not wrong, but it's uh, basically it's the same as a pack without load lifters. It's just um, a way to kind of like adjust the torso size, you know, so I think ideally what you want to shoot for on the shoulder strap sizing is to have the shoulder straps pretty much at the base of your shoulders. And if you know how much weight you want to carry, that can be fine. Um, not having any load lifters or anything like that. But at some point as the weight increases in the pack, the hip belt and and or the frame is going to start to be overwhelmed. And then you're going to start to get that shoulder tug again, you know, because as you add more weight, the pack, the the frame and the belt is always going to get overwhelmed and start to kind of condense down and tug on your shoulders. And so where load lifters come into play is they're basically like extra torso height on a pack like that so it gives you that little bit of extra frame if you start getting that shoulder tug and the pack's starting to compress down then you can pull on the load lifters and it'll pull some of that weight up and off your shoulders and get it back onto your hips again so our packs like the long haul um they give you about two extra inches of height on the torso so they're only made to go you know like 35, 40-ish pounds, provided that the pack is sized appropriately and you have the shoulder straps where they're supposed to be. You've got that extra weight where once the frame starts to be overwhelmed, it'll get you up to 35, 40 pounds pretty comfortably. And then our on our big load hauling packs, you have a full four inches of essentially extra torso height up there you know where the load lifters are connected like pretty high it ends up like kind of at the base of your ear provided that the you know torso is sized appropriately sure and so you really get a lot of extra mileage out of that where like you can throw a bunch more weight in the pack and as you need that extra you know torso height you just crank down on the load lifters and it's like magic. It just pulls that weight up and off your shoulders and puts it onto your hips, or you can divide it up as much as you want between your shoulders and your hips. Some people still want a fair amount of weight on their shoulders, you know, maybe something like 70% hips, 30% shoulders, or you can literally put it all on your hips. And in reality, when you're hiking long days, you're probably kind of switching back and forth. Sure. Sometimes you'll have it all on your hips. Sometimes you pull a little bit, uh, you know, or loosen a yeah. little bit and let it on your shoulders a little bit more. But yeah, that's that's the main difference, I guess, between our different, the different packs in our range. I love a load lifter so much. <laughs> I want load yeah. lifters. I mean, obviously they have, they have different functions, right? Depending on if you have a frame or a frame sheet or frameless. But I always like there have been multiple times where I really liked the 
the functionality of like a cottage backpack, but they, the way that they've constructed their pack, which is not wrong, doesn't allow them to put load lifters except for to like sew it directly onto a flat panel, like which isn't ideal. So they don't offer them. And I'm always just like, bruh, load lifters are the most glorious thing ever. Even whenever they're not connected to the frame, they still like allow you to pull the weight in a little bit if it's sized correctly. They also just provide you some stability where like no matter what, if you don't have those, the pack is going to fall backwards. Like it, the weight goes away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're like walking uphill. So just having, uh, I've also uh, done a few packs where the load lifters are like built in in the sense that they're not adjustable, but they basically have, they're a permanent torso adjuster, if you will. So they always take, let's say 20% of the load off of the shoulder straps. So you can do that if you can custom design a pack to yourself only, because you know exactly how the shoulder straps are going to touch you and where they're going to be. Touchy sounds weird. Um, but yeah, I've done that where they're literally just static, like a piece of webbing or mm. cord or whatever that goes into a seam and then comes to the top of my shoulder, and it's just always huh. at forty-five degrees. And nice I don't and know. Light, I just, huh? yeah, I just, uh, I feel like people sometimes are hating on load lifters, and they're like, "Oh, you don't need them on an ultralight pack," and I'm like, "I need them always. They're just, they're like my friend. They don't have it, <laughs> they don't have the same function when when they're not used, like how Brandon's talking about, but." I don't know. People need to stop hating on them. They're wonderful. <laughs> well, something else that's interesting too that I've noticed on your packs is that I think a lot of people think of load lifters, well, in the ultralight space, they think of them as just heavy, um, which I'm sure they can be if you use just maybe fifteen hundred pound webbing or something. Yeah, maybe if you use something really aggressive, it, it could be heavy. But you also have a really interesting, a couple of packs have an interesting take on load lifters. Yeah, so for years and years, I've been, any pack that I've designed and ones that I've, like, designed and other people have made, always use cordage for most of the adjustment points. So, again, I don't, I'm someone who carries ultralight, uh, like, base weight. So, if you're out there carrying, like, a deer carcass on your back, you probably want some <laughs> webbing to really hold it in place. But for me, yeah, like using some reflective, I also really like reflective things. So like reflective cord for the load lifters, which can be done multiple different ways uh, and reflective cord for adjusting like the shoulder straps at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that that, like if you have cordage down, depending on the length of your shoulder strap, like that cordage isn't actually going to touch you at all. Mm-hmm. But I think people are like, not that it matters now because you can, there are so many more available adjusters and sizes of webbing that it's not, it doesn't really matter that much, but for me, I'm like a nerd and I want it to be as light as possible, but yeah, Mm. cordage load lifters are cool and you can do different colors and stuff, which I like. The first thing that I said when I, like when I saw that, I was like, Oh, that can't be as strong as webbing. Right. And it's obviously just naive, but for everyone thinking like, yeah, the cordage does look really, it looks, it looks flimsier just because it's thinner. But when you use a, poly uhmwpe hybrid cord like it's not it's not going to be stronger yeah like you're not gonna have a problem with it (laughs) yeah you might have i would say it's normally what i do is like tie some sort of loop at the end Mm -hmm. so i have something to pull onto because i think that'd be that might be one complaint people would say is like oh well it's a small cord it's gonna hurt my hands first off i don't think you're adjusting your load lifters like 68 times a day probably yeah (laughs) yeah i would think the main thing would be uh, just using thick enough cord 
So if you're using like those line locks or whatever, I would assume that's what you're using up there. Just making sure you use thick enough cord where it's not slipping, you know, from just bouncing on the trail all day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there are multiple line locks out there that are designed for like even one millimeter cord. We're actually about to start carrying one really soon, nice. which I'm excited about. Uh, because you're right, especially like the regular line lock threes that most people use and most companies use really like 2.2 millimeter is like the thinnest, maybe two millimeter if it's reflecting. Yeah, you need it has extra friction for those. Yeah, uh, there are also some which we don't carry, which, I, you know, it's not great always saying about the things that we don't carry yet, but I'm always working on trying to bring on new things are <laughs> like. They have adjusters that instead of line locks where it's molded, have almost like a little slider in it. Mm. So it's like a hammock cinch buckle if you've ever seen one of those before. But it's for cord. And those are extremely effective. Yeah. Yes. So I've used Yeah, both. that's cool. But yeah, you're exactly right. I When I first started putting cordage in there, I, of course, wanted to use like a one millimeter Dyneema cord. And then I just had the regular line <laughs> locks, which is all that was available. And yeah. yeah, for like the first three miles, it's cool. And then all of a sudden you just hear like <laughs> and it's sliding back. And so how did you attach it to the shoulder straps? Did you just tie it onto webbing or? Yeah. So normally I'll have, uh, depending on the shoulder strap, uh, there's always something depending on if I modify a pack or if it's one that I made. But yeah, some sort of like daisy chain just going up the top which also means that you can change and move where it starts and then i normally tie a bowlin because that has the best uh what's it called it distributes the load of the cord better so you're not pulling up on the like the grow grain daisy chain so i tie it in so that there's basically a loop mm -hmm. going through where the bar tack is instead of like tying a knot and cinching it down but yeah yeah the bowlin and then, yeah, grow grain with a line lock into the seam wherever I decide that to be. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. So you're kind of referring to it already, but a huge part of building a framed pack or, or looking at framed packs uh, through companies is understanding how they attach to your pack itself uh, and how you want that, that connection to work. Granny, can you talk us through how SWD does it um, in terms of how you like how what materials and components you use to make your frame stays go into your pack and, and how you attach them to the pack so how the the frame stays are connected to the pack or how like the suspension components like the shoulder straps and the hip belt connect to the frame which which uh, one I see what you, you mean uh like how the frames how you keep basically how you keep two flat aluminum things to go onto the pack without falling out or Okay. Through the pack. Yeah. Said more um, simply, how do you sew the frame into the pack? There you yeah, go. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Yeah, I guess um, there's a number of ways that you could go about it. Um, one of the easiest is just to use webbing in the right dimension, you know, that'll uh, basically create the little tube that you're looking for. You could use any fabric, really, if you wanted to use the same fabric that um, the rest of your pack is made out of. You could do that. Webbing is, you know, readily available and easy and durable. So that's that's a pretty good option to go. And yeah, basically you just sew it directly to the back panel and then make sure that you have some kind of closure, you know, on the one end, like probably just sewn closed on one end and then a little Velcro flap 
on the other end is a pretty popular design or um on some of our packs with the removable hip belts it's some people call it like a floating belt um there's we have a little webbing uh like daisy chain and then our hip belts have like a metal clip and you connect that to the daisy chain and the daisy chain itself kind of acts as the flap at the bottom. So it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, essentially like a, a flap with some kind of way to keep it closed, like Velcro or something is uh, that's a pretty easy way to go about it. So I think one similarity amongst any frame method that you use, whether it's uh, a hoop or the shaped stays that are in a sleeve or the external frames is that you need to create some sort of pocket for yeah. it to sit in no matter what you're doing and you just want to make sure what you're trying to do with that pocket what we were kind of going back to what we referred to earlier so you want to make sure that pocket over that sleeve whatever it is you're working whatever you create for your frame to sit in is just going to directly relate to the sh- shoulder straps and the hip belt is that right is that too yeah definitely that that is really one of the trickiest parts is figuring out how to connect you know like the hip belt the shoulder straps the load lifters and get all of the connections, you know, as solid as possible to the frame and kind of minimize any play in there. And it it can be done, you know, relatively easily. What a lot of people will do is, you know, have basically one panel of fabric that you'd sew, you know, your hip belt and your shoulder straps to, and then have probably like a layer of foam or a, a frames uh frame sheet like a plastic frame sheet and then have another uh, layer of fabric on the back side of that and that's what you sew your uh frame you know holders to or like the frame tubes or something so it'd be like a sandwich of um layer of fabric with your shoulder straps and hip belt foam another layer of fabric with your frame sleeves and sew that all together that's a pretty common way to do that on our current packs we've kind of minimized some of that and it's all just one piece you know it's all just sewn to the same piece of fabric but it's it's tricky to do to get everything you know with solid attachment points to the same piece of fabric like that you bring up another good point there, which is comfort. I think a lot of people maybe hear like flat aluminum stay shaped to your back and as close to your back as possible. And it sounds probably uncomfortable, which I'm, I'm sure it would be if it was just pressed up against your back the whole time. Um, I know a lot of companies do this, but I, like I've I've hiked with an SWD pack before and I'm, I'm going to refer to it there. You have a really nice um, kind of padded design in there as well, which is what you were just talking about with like there maybe mid, midway up your back, there's like a piece of foam that kind of sits to pull your back give some airflow, but also just put something between your back and the stays as well as obviously a, a cushioned hip belt. Are there other ways that you can help kind of, because I would imagine with a DIY pack, it's probably a big, a big issue that you run into is you make a framed pack and then all of a sudden it's like just digging into you the whole time. I definitely don't think you need it. I think obviously uh, depending on what you're doing and if you're making it for lots of different people, uh, like for instance, I don't think Hyperlite Mountain Gear has anything. Maybe a thin piece of foam. Maybe. I think they definitely have a little bit of foam in there. Probably a quarter inch between yeah, it's, the, it's pretty thin. the stays just, and the 
you know, yeah. the user um, of the pack. I do. I think that most people are probably going to want some barrier between themselves and the aluminum frame. One way that you've seen some people, uh, some companies kind of get around this is just by uh, moving the stays to the far outside of the pack and you can have um you know the hip belt and the shoulder straps and everything kind of on the inside of the two stays Mm. and if you do that then it kind of keeps them off of your back i've never actually played with that so much i just feel like you would still feel them on the sides a little bit i don't know but that's that's something to play around with for sure yeah i think one of the easiest ways is yeah uh as Brandon was talking about, basically making a three-layered thing with whatever you're going to use to protect your back in the middle and just making it like a sandwich. So then you can also sew the frame holders on separately on your own piece and make sure you get that right. Um, The other thing you could do, which for a DIYer might be a good option, is you can honestly just put some loops, some like grow grain or webbing loops on the back panel of the backpack and put shot cord in it and put a sit pad in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you that's a good option. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's something you're going to use anyway. So it's light, but it's also like a foam thing that's going to protect you. Yeah. It's not the most aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it's not going to be exactly the same as having something that's sewn in there. Uh, it's a good start. Especially with the shot cord versus having like an actual piece of like, I don't know, stretch mesh or something that's really holding the pad in place. But you could easily do that. If I were making one for like the first time, that's probably what I would do because it's just so simple and customized. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of having a, a pad accessible or a, a sit pad or anything like that kind of, you know, on the back of the pack and does the double duty of keeping, you know, anything hard like the frame off of your back and you can pull it out and you know sit on it lay on it do whatever maybe it's your you know only sleeping pad i definitely did that for a long time just the you know torso length eighth inch pad but i'm old now (laughs) can't do it anymore so brandon you don't have to disclose whatever swd sources their their things if you don't want to but where where could uh, we link people or send people to go check out where they can find flat aluminum or tubular aluminum or, or anything like that yeah um i've used like for one-offs um if i want to try something new i'll usually do i think it's called like online metals or something like that but they stock all different kinds of, you know, shapes, sizes. They'll do one-offs. You know, it's more expensive, but you can just buy, like, one little thing from them. They'll custom cut it for you. I'm pretty sure that's the name, just onlinemetals.com. Awesome. I've also used uh, McMaster Car for multiple. Yeah, but I've seen them. Like the, yeah, similar, like, just industrial supply, basically, with all kinds of different fittings for the ends of tubes they sell carbon rods there as well um so yeah that's another one and they also sell all kinds of plastic sheets and they probably sell foam too i don't know it's probably not the best price on that stuff but that makes sense okay cool we will uh we will link these in the show notes and then uh just to kind of come full circle one we you know we want to help people understand how to make them but also help people know what to look for if they're looking for a pack in terms of a frame that's going to fit them the best uh 
because, well, not because Brandon's here. I'd mention them regardless, but can't mention or recommend SWD enough for a, a really great ultralight frame pack um, for a variety of options. But Carter, you own like 27 different backpacks. Uh, what other frame packs out are out there that you would tell people like, yeah, this I kind of endorse this one. I like this or parts of it. I'm going to be careful with that because I have a lot of friends in the industry, you know. Um, Maybe you don't endorse them. You say, like, this is I would say any of the – I will give, like, my personal, like, let's just say, like, uh, underground picks, if you will. Sure. But pretty right much now. any of the – those also change. Underground yes, picks change. right now. Pretty much any of the well-known cottage vendors are going to have different characteristics. So I recommend looking at them and finding out which uh, company might do what you want. But I would trust all of them especially swd <laughs> um now in terms of like random or like cool packs definitely the ks ultralight uh ks 40 or whatever i have where i it has the rods on the outside uh, and they're removable it's extremely light i mean you can have an entire a pack that could carry 25 pounds with that weighs like 16 ounces basically it's just cool but it definitely has limitations it's for a very specific purpose like purpose and person and yeah, so that's a pretty cool one. Uh, the cool, uh, the Nun Attack or Noon Attack, I don't know how to say that. They have the Bears Ears pack, which is really, really cool. Uh, I have multiple packs like that um, that my friend Jeremy designed that basically are ways that you can carry a bear canister with it assimilated into the frame, which is really awesome because in a lot of places you have to carry a bear canister. You can get around that. And it fits inside of a lot of packs pretty well, or you can take all your food out and put it on top, but none of those are really ideal. Uh, so there are, that pack basically allows you to carry the frame at the base where the curve of your back would be, like where that, mm-hmm. where you already have that curve. Yeah. And I have multiple versions of that one. Some of those are top secret, but <laughs> those are my favorites by far to hold like a barricade weekender and it, it basically has like a sleeve that it fits in and you tension it i have one where you tension when you tension the bottom of the where that you put the bear canister in it actually tensions a back panel like a z-packs backpack <laughs> but instead of it tensioning like flexible rods it has a center aluminum stay and then it aluminum rod across the top to provide the Brandon alluded to earlier when you just have the center stay sometimes you can have like left and right movement so there's a center rod that goes across with like a uh what's it called a slit cut in it's it it's like where, a bar that connects the two frames yeah, on the it's side. a t-frame gotcha. is oh, what okay. it is gotcha so that's really 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 cool that's neat <laughs> and I have probably three of those <laughs> um I'm trying to think of you might have more packs cool. than me I have a lot <laughs> <laughs> I, used to have, I used to have more. My wife's listening. I've sold some. Um, I really like cool stuff, like unique, inventive, functional stuff that I couldn't make is where I end up buying stuff. Sometimes. Sometimes I just like buying stuff. If there's like a new fabric or a company's using some new thing I haven't seen, then I try to buy it so I can learn more about it. Let me think of one more that I have that's crazy. Oh, okay. So years ago... I think they still offer it now, but it's a different version. Vargo, the titanium company, came out with a pack called the Vargo mm. Tie Arc. And it's an external titanium frame. But uh, and in the old version, it has like these antenna that come up on the back. And there's a curved piece called the Arc, also made of titanium, that slides onto these antenna. 
and what that does is allow you to basically it puts it makes like your bag like float kind of deal yeah it like it puts a curved bar around the front of your bag so that it's like stays open if if you will it gives it structure yeah like three-dimensionally uh and that thing is really cool and i had zimmer built chris zimmer from zimmer built built me a custom pack that was three quarters length long so that i could still attach my bear canister at the bottom because if you can tell i like assimilating the bear canister (laughs) into ways that make it worth it to carry so yeah i named a bunch of stuff that you can't buy so i feel good about that (laughs) (laughs) and then all yeah i mean you gotta make it right (laughs) yeah if you want something like that i'll maybe give you some pointers but you have to make it yeah (laughs) yeah that's That's the fun part are there any frames out there that catch your eye brandon i don't want to give away any swd secrets in terms of like future products but you know as a pack builder who can do a lot of stuff on your own is there anything you're like that's just really fascinating in terms of how they pull that off yeah i don't know i mean i guess the idea of having like a super you know specialized molded carbon frame would be pretty cool like i would love to play with something like that i guess i don't really have any specific examples in mind but in some ways i kind of try to keep myself in the dark a little bit Mm. on stuff like that and try to mostly just like you know get out there and use stuff and think about things that i need and ways to build it um you know it is fun to dive in and check other people's stuff out but a lot of times it's like i don't like getting caught up in you know worrying about copying things and doing all of that sometimes i kind of like to keep myself in the dark (laughs) yeah no that makes a lot of sense just focusing on on getting your best product and not just trying to figure out what everyone else is doing (laughs) yeah just doing lots and lots of testing basically yeah this has been really fun i feel pretty inspired to go make my own pack right now i'm not gonna lie you're Uh, literally gonna go do it right now (laughs) i don't have i don't have a frame right now i need to buy one still or shape it we probably got some laying around here, bro. <laughs> I, I hope the listeners are also pretty excited to check it out. If you have any questions about um, what we talked about here today, feel free to reach out. Let us know if you like this episode. And as always, Brandon, we're really glad to hang out with you. Uh, thanks for chatting and sharing your knowledge and sharing some of uh, what SWD does. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been great hanging out. Always. Cool. Well, until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brandon. Sounds good. We'll see ya. Mm-hmm.